Hey everyone, I'm Yasmin Nori, and you're listening to the Behind Her Empire podcast. I'm on a mission to showcase successful self-made women who share honest stories and lessons of what it really takes to create the life you want and build your own empire. If you've been listening to the show, you know, just like you, I've been on my own personal journey to build my empire. I've recently started a new business called Bia that helps women tackle their period problems and hormonal imbalances using a natural whole foods approach. If you're suffering from extreme cramps, irregular periods, fatigue, bloating, stay tuned because a little bit later in the podcast, I'll share a bit more about my company, Bia. But for now, let's jump into today's episode. I want to welcome this week's guest, Kaisa Karanin, to our show today. Kaisa is a founder of Just Move, a membership program and workout community that makes movement fun and approachable for everyone. Kaisa first got into movement in high school as a way to combat her own deep depression. At that time in her life, movement took the form of sports. But at the end of her time at University of Washington, an injury forced her to take stock of her body and the one thing that saved her had been taken away. This is when Kaisa realized she needed to learn more about her body. People couldn't seem to give her the answers to these questions, so she figured it out herself, and that's really when the passion for educating and sharing the power of movement was born. She's developed her own method of movement, which she shares daily with her clients and millions of social media followers worldwide. And she lives and teaches by the motto that health is a feeling, not a look, and believes wholeheartedly in her mission to get people around the world up and moving. In this episode, we talked to Kaisa about many things, and a few highlights are why therapy has been instrumental in both her personal and professional life, the importance of managing your energy and tips on avoiding burnout, her very windy career and entrepreneurial journey, and the power of having a North Star in your life, and how she took a lifestyle and passion of hers and built a massive social following and sustainable business and the biggest learning she's had along the way. Kaisa's energy is infectious and you'll definitely feel inspired after this one. I know I definitely did. Welcome to the show, Kaisa. Yasmin, I am so excited to be here. I am a big fan of yours, so I'm really pumped to be on the podcast today. Oh my gosh, feelings are mutual. And I want to give a big shout out to a mutual friend, Carissa, who has spoken the world of you. And I just love your energy and what you've built and how authentic you are. So truly, it's an honor to have you on. And I'm just so pumped to get into your story. So thank you with us. And shout out to Chris and Thrive Cosmetics. I have a full face of Thrive on today. <laughs> Literally everything right now on my face is Thrive. No yes. joke. I am a big fan. So we are not oh, yeah. getting paid for this. They are amazing. <laughs> yes. I love it. I love it. Well, I want to start, and this is going to be a little bit different from the way I start the interviews, but I was just prepping and listening to something you recently said that I thought was just interesting, where you were talking about how Kaisa fit is just so much better than Kaisa, and it's the favorite side of you. And I have a lot of thoughts here. It really resonates with me, but tell me more about what you mean by that. This is so interesting. You must have dug this up from a podcast interview, so thank you. So Kaisa Fit is my company. She's also like how people know me on social media. So she really is my alter ego. Obviously, my name is Kaisa. She's a big piece of me. But one of the things that I started to realize was there's a lot of self-doubt. There's a lot of, you know, like I have been in therapy for many, many years and there's a lot that I'm working on. But wearing the Kaisa Fit armor gives me so much more strength and courage. And I often say like, she's who I eventually want to become 
day in and day out. She's something that I get to become in front of the camera in business meetings. Like she's my favorite piece of me. But yeah, I always say like through her, I learned so many lessons and I learned who I want to be. But she's definitely a bit of my alter ego. Yeah. And I just think that's interesting because I feel that way about myself. Like if anybody meets me, I'm always your number one cheerleader. I get super passionate about anything business, elevating women. But I wanted to bring this up because we all are dealing with stuff, right? Like as much as we might be so positive and reinforcing, it's like I have my own self-doubt that I work through. And like the whole mind shift game is so important in what we do, but we're all working on stuff. We're always a work in progress, which is why it just resonated with me when you talked about it. Yeah. And I think it's like this gets a negative context, but essentially it's like the fake it till you make it. And, and for a lot of my career, like I'm a very shy person and my career, you would never know that because my career is in front of the camera, especially on social media. I have to have a loud, big personality and that's a side of me, but it's not all of me. And a lot of the things that I'm working through, especially like I was just mentioning in therapy, I get to practice them through her. And I think it's like, it's such an incredible piece of why I love my job so much and my career so much because it constantly allows me to work on myself and then work to bring the best part of myself forward. Yes. And I think, and I don't know if this is about business or just doing something that's typically outside of your comfort zone. And you are going to just learn about so many different facets of yourself, right? Like we are pushing ourselves. And as much as I'm like, all right, I made it. I worked on myself for X, but then I have this whole other door that I'm realizing from this one podcast or this one event that is like therapy for days. But it's a good thing because it just shows that we are continuously growing and pushing ourselves into new boundaries. And we're willing to work on ourselves throughout it. Oh my gosh. Amen. And the other thing is like, especially for entrepreneurs or like my business is me. I am my business. You know what I mean? And so it's like, it's so important that I'm willing to dig into the deep crevices of who I am, why I'm doing certain things, because it's always a direct reflection to the brand, the products and everything that we're creating. So Yeah, 100%. I love it. And it seems like you also, which I also love in the process, like share as much as what you're learning with your audience. It's like, we're going through stuff and I'm all about like, how do I share this? So it helps any single person. I know you do that quite a bit with your content. But before we kind of go into your incredible business, I actually want to start with the beginnings. I know you've been very open about the depression that you dealt with growing up. I believe it started in high school. So can you kind of share more about what you're really going throughout the time, because I think it's really fundamentally impact you for the best for the women that you are today. Yes, absolutely. And and definitely for the best. I would never wish those deep, dark days on anyone. But ultimately, I feel like it really put me in touch with who I was and why I was here on this earth. And so it kind of unfolded into what I'm doing today. So I would say I've always been a mover. Like my mom was literally like, Before I could even crawl, I won a race at Nordstrom, scooting myself across the floor. So I was less than, yes, I was less than (laughs) one years old. I also have a sneaker addiction. And I say like, that's also where my sneaker addiction started because I won a pair of shoes. And so (laughs) I, I was always a mover. I had a lot of energy. And so I was in every sport possible. And the two things collided essentially in high school. So I went into high school and I came from a very small private school and I went into a very large public school. And I think I had lived in a really isolated world. And so when I went into high school, my world kind of opened up. And when it opened up, I realized like I just didn't feel the same as everyone else around me. Like I think it really exasperated a lot of my issues and I felt really, really alone. And I went through some serious depression. 
And it got to the point my freshman year where I really contemplated whether or not I wanted to be here, whether or not I wanted to leave this earth. And and I remember like one singular day that it kind of hit me that I needed to make a choice. There was a, a field down the street from our house. And every single day when I got home from school, I would grab my soccer ball and I'd go down to that field. And I remember walking down to the field and I had a moment of like, I can't live in this in-between anymore. And so I'm I'm like 13 years old and definitely dealing with depression, a lot of depression, obviously, but not having the words for that. I didn't even know what that was, or I just knew that I was so overwhelmed that I thought that leaving this world would just be the easiest way out. But I remember thinking, so I have a, I have three other siblings and I remember thinking, you know, if I decided to leave this world, my mom would like not survive this. And the thought of her still having to raise my siblings with that, I just thought like, okay, I remember having this discussion with myself and I was like, I can't do this. I have to figure out what, when I look at my life, like what is one thing that brings me joy? And at the time for me, it was movement through soccer. And so I I made a commitment right there and I was like, I'm just going to dive into that 24 seven. I'm just going to do the thing that brings me the most joy. And I'm going to hope that that thing becomes my life vest and pulls me out of this hole. And so that was over the course of years. Finally, by my senior, I would say my junior and senior year, I was starting to become more confident in who I was. And I was also becoming a star soccer player. And so that's really where my movement journey started. But it's also where my deep, deep appreciation for my body and for how movement ultimately saved my life. And so that became kind of the foundation of my company and and what I do today. Wow, powerful. I mean, the context that you had at such a young age to kind of think through that is incredible. And, And especially back then, I feel like nobody was talking about depression and the resources weren't as available back then. But that is a really powerful story. And it's just incredible to see just how movement has been such a key pillar in your life. And, you know, that actually takes me to when you were in college, right? So you finally built your confidence. You are the star soccer player. But then you had a really intense injury that completely shifted kind of your trajectory personally and professionally. Tell me more about what you were going through at the time, because once you kind of have felt good about yourself, you're kind of back to not square one, but shifting the way of what you're feeling and, and doing. Yeah, absolutely. So I ended up actually going to the University of Washington for track and field. So I became a, a two-sport athlete and I was at the University of Washington and it was my... I, w- I was injured every single year, but it was my junior year that I had basically a massive injury that took me out. And essentially, I just remember sitting there and just thinking like, movement is such an important piece of my life. Like For me, it's a survival tool. And if I don't have it, I'm 21 years old if I don't have it, I don't know that I can survive life. Like I continue to deal with depression throughout my 20s. I still do to this day. And I just know that that movement is an integral piece of me staying healthy. And so I had a moment of thinking I've had male coaches my entire life tell me what to do with my body and, and no knock to them. But I just thought I need to learn about my body. Like this tool that has helped me every single day of my life, I have to learn about how to talk to her, how to take care of her, how to relate to her. And so that's really where the start of becoming a trainer, like that's the first start of it. But (laughs) Yasmin, I have a roller coaster ride. It's like, for some reason, it never, it still didn't click to me that I wanted to be a trainer. Like I, at that point in time, thought I wanted to go into social work because I had dealt with depression. And I thought like, I want to be able to help people stay alive and figure out how to take care of themselves and become a healthier version of themselves. So I'm going to go back to school. I'm going to get my master's in sociology. 
But during that time, I was also becoming a trainer and just certified to basically coach myself. I didn't want to train others. And not, not that I didn't want to, I just didn't know it existed. And so I had a friend at the time that kept asking me like, well, since you're certified, can you just come coach me and a handful of my girlfriends? And I was like, Leslie, no, I'm not a trainer. Okay. <laughs> like, no, I, that's not what I want to do. Obviously my self-confidence issues came into play there, but after like the entire summer, so three months go by and she's finally like, come on, can you please do this? It's like five of us women. So I go teach. I teach this boot camp outside. And I kid you not, it was like the clouds parted. You know, God came down and was like, this is exactly what you need to do. And it was the most intense feeling for me of like, this is why I'm here. Because in that moment, what I got to realize was my love of movement was also the gift that I got to give back to help other people, you know, find their confidence, find their joy and find their happiness. And so that was the day I realized I wanted to be a trainer. That is not the day I realized I wanted to be an entrepreneur and start my own business. Hey everyone, it's Yasmin here. I wanted to tell you a quick story. Before I started this podcast, I was working extremely long and crazy hours in banking and then in tech. I was totally burnt out, not living my truth and dreaming of always building my own empire. With all of this stress, it came really debilitating periods from bloating, cramping, extreme breast tenderness and really unpredictable moods. I would always complain to my friends that I was literally out of commission for at least a week every single month. And that adds up to three months in every year. Other than feeling frustrated that my really bad periods were keeping me from pursuing my actual goals, I knew that something wasn't right. Women are not inherently designed to suffer every single month. That's when I learned about hormonal imbalances. I started working with functional medicine doctors who told me that years of stress combined with taking birth control pills long-term created a cascade of hormonal damage in my body. This is why I felt bloated, tired, crampy, and moody before and throughout my period. They recommended I try something called seed cycling. And let me tell you, it's changed my life. Seed cycling is the simple process of using food as medicine to naturally support your hormones. It uses four different types of seeds, yes, actual seeds, throughout your menstrual cycle to support the balance of hormones like progesterone and estrogen and give your body critical nutrients it needs to achieve your best health. Within weeks of starting this process, I noticed major shifts in my period and my overall health. But I also noticed that seed cycling is actually kind of hard to do. I wanted the best quality seeds freshly ground in the right amount, but it was very time consuming. So I decided to create a simple and effective way for anyone to start seed cycling today using the highest quality organic seeds in the right amounts with the right support. It's called Bia, and I'm so excited to bring it to you. Now, anyone struggling with hormonal imbalances can easily incorporate seed cycling into their busy schedule with the Bia Seed Cycling Bundle. This process has been life-changing for me. I no longer deal with cramps, bloating, breast tenderness, or any other PMS symptoms before my period. It's been a complete game changer, and it's allowed me to focus on things that matter most to me, like this podcast and building my own empire. And most importantly, I want this for you too. 
If you or anyone you know has been struggling with hormonal imbalances or bad periods, go to beawellness.com slash free. Once again, it's beawellness.com slash free to download our free guide to our top tips in tackling hormonal imbalances and to learn more about our seed cycling bundle. We included this link in the show notes along with a promo code for $10 off for all of our Behind Her Empire listeners. I know you're going to love seed cycling just as much as I do. Thanks for listening. And now let's get back to the show. Yeah, I mean, those pivotal moments are huge. And what I love about your journey is it is really windy. And I think so many of us kind of have these expectations of ourselves because we don't know like, for example, in your case, being a trainer was possible. There was no social media back then. There wasn't so many examples of what that would look like. Other women that are like you, right, that you kind of look up to. So I'm sure that was such a pivotal moment. So you are training these group of women. You feel the light bulb go off. You feel alive. What are your next steps there in terms of your kind of career path? Because you clearly shifted away from being a social worker. Yes. So my next career path was to decide that I was not going to go back to school So I became a trainer. I joined a local gym and I basically started an internship there. And so for me, it was really important as it is in every piece of my life that I am the best. (laughs) And that's like not the best quality, but I was really intent on being, if I'm going to decide to be a trainer, I have to be the best trainer I possibly could be. So I did an internship at a studio and eventually got promoted to be a trainer there. And my road is rocky because from the outside world, most people understand that you go to a gym and you hire a trainer because you want to lose weight. Well, 22-year-old Kaisa thought you're coming in because you are so grateful for your body and you're so excited to explore what your body can do and you just love your body and you can't wait. And so day after day, when clients would come in, you get a first initial meeting with them And they continuously would tell me their goal was they wanted to lose like 10 pounds and they couldn't wait to fit into this dress. And so I just kept saying, okay, that's fine, but I'm not the trainer for you. So you can go train with her. You can go train with him. So several weeks later, I look around and I'm like, I have no clients. Like (laughs) this isn't working. One, it was an eye-opening experience to understand that 99% of people that come into movement want to lose weight. And two, that it's my job to meet them where they're at and to be able to start fostering some type of an experience that didn't co-sign that. I didn't necessarily have to say I'm not for you, but I realized really quickly that I couldn't co-sign that message. And I know that's super interesting. Yeah, because back then, nobody was really talking about that. Fitness was all about, right? Even in the media, like losing weight, weight loss, fat loss, everything. So... I know you ended up being there for, I believe, for a few years, and you really garnered a community of working with, I believe, like more middle-aged women. Was that just a function of the region around you? But I'd love to hear more about that because there's a lot of highlights that I think you had just from training them. Yeah. No, so it wasn't a function of what was around me. It was a function of me realizing really quickly what I was most passionate about and who I was most passionate about coaching. And so I think that that comes across really clearly. Um, And so that's who started gravitating towards me. So at the time, the only platform that existed, you know, social media was there, but it was not popular. So the platform was Jillian Michaels on The Biggest Loser on TV. And so what I really quickly started to realize was that was the message that people were getting about why they move. Like it was constantly the media telling them, you only work out and you only move because you don't look quote unquote right and you need to lose weight. And so when these women would start to come to me with those insecurities, instead of saying, I'm not for you, I started realizing like it's my job to be almost in some sense the parent 
and help facilitate a better environment and help teach them through movement that they are so much more than what their body looks like. And so that's really what I started to create. I created a little group called Smart Training and these women were in their 40s, 50s, 60s and they were strength training for the first time and they were becoming so empowered in their body and they were starting to talk less and less about what their body looked like and more and more about the weight they were lifting or how many push-ups they had done. And as they were having these conversations, I also started hearing them talk about how their life was changing outside of the gym, how they were choosing maybe to have be empowered to go into a different career. Over the course of my years there, four years, I also had three women that got divorced. And not that I'm like promoting divorce, it is teach their own. They were in really toxic relationships and they started to have the courage and the confidence and the strength to do something different and to take care of themselves. And so that's where my true love of that population, I now call them the start movers, but that population really formed And not that anybody is my favorite, but I would say they are who I'm most passionate about getting them to move around the world. So that's really, that's really one of my big focuses. Yeah. I mean, and even like I was just telling you before we were getting on this podcast, like ever since I started the business, my business about a year and a half ago, we're almost hitting two years, like my movement has dropped significantly. And I'm all about preaching health and wellness. Like my sleep is actually on point, stress levels, I'm managing a little bit better, eating is good. I'm drinking enough, like doing all the basics, but movement is the main pillar. But I, to your point, just everything you're saying about that experience with the women, like I'm fully aware it helps with your mindset. It helps you give confidence to just show up as a better leader every day and like more in your body. So I feel like every age, right, is just, it's so just powerful. Yeah, totally. And Yasmin, I want to just touch on this because I think one of the other things that media has done and the fitness and wellness world has done is make you believe that working out looks a certain way. And so I think like my brand is literally called Just Move because the point of what I wanted was if you're not moving at all, standing up and stretching for five minutes is huge. If you made a commitment to do that every single day, not only would your body feel different, your mind would feel different. Like you would be a completely different human. And I always say this as well, bodies are meant to move. So you just have to decide to start. You just have to decide to start. It can be one minute, five minutes, whatever. And from there, you will find time to add more movement into your day because of the way that it makes you feel. And I think if people can focus on that, that's really the goal. You know, fitness has turned into this whole thing where you go into a box to lift these certain weights and to move. And that's the only way that you're allowed to quote unquote work out. But that's not it. Like, you can move in any way that you want. Like, Yasmin, if you told me, like, I love to walk or bike or dance, like, that's movement. That's what you should be doing more of. Yeah. And I think another podcast I was listening to you in, you were also mentioning when you're doing these movements, really trying to be introspective and understand, like, oh, is my joy factor a little bit higher? Do I have more energy? And I will say, I don't do hardcore workouts. I'm not there yet. It's definitely in the agenda. But even when I go for a walk, or I'll do even like a 15 minute online virtual class, I genuinely feel like my energy is more sustained. So that is kind of the motivational factor. And I'm just more clear mentally, like the resiliency factor of stress is so much higher when I do have the most simple of movements, which is why everything you're saying, I'm like, yes, yes. Yeah. And I think it's just about turning it into a daily habit, like taking, that's why I've always tried to help people understand, like take away 
the goal, the end goal of wanting to change the way that you look and just insert that it is something that you have to do every single day, just like you brush your teeth, just like you drink your water, like you have got to move and it can be minimal to start. And I think from there, I'm like, just start your movement journey and then we can talk about advancing it from there. But you have to move. You have got to move. Yeah. Amen. So tell me about this. So you are now, you found your crew, you're doing these amazing classes and you're seeing women's lives impacted. How did you really get to the next step? I read somewhere that I think you were like 25, you had a six-figure business, but you felt like it wasn't your thing anymore. And you were just kind of starting from scratch again. So what was going on in your mind at that time? Yeah. So I would say one of the great qualities about me is that if something doesn't feel right, I won't sit in that for very long. If something doesn't feel right, I mean, you could say in your gut, in my instincts, if something doesn't feel like it's the thing for me, I'm going to try to figure out something different. So when I was at that club in Seattle, I realized I wanted to run my own business. And so I eventually left and I ran my own business. And that's probably where you're pulling that from for a year before I realized like I'm not finding as much joy in this as I thought. And another thing that hit me was I feel like there's more, like there's something else I need to be doing. At the time, I thought it was training athletes. So I went back to school, got my master's in sports performance. And I'm not kidding you, literally day one on the job, I realized I've made an epic mistake. So I'm (laughs) I'm in this internship for six months. And I realized, you know, one of the things for me that I learned was I had to prove to myself that I was a quote unquote, good enough trainer to be able to go out and really start my business and to really put all of my energy there. And so that when I look back, I'm like, that's what my master's did. But it also taught me that the people that I'm most passionate about helping move is general population. It really isn't athletes. And so from there, I realized that in order for me to basically be able to speak my message to more people, I had to find a platform. And so that's where social media came in. And I dove into social media. That became a full-time job at that time because I just realized if I want to speak my message to more people, if I eventually want to be able to sell a product and create a business, I have to have people that are interested in what I'm talking about and what I'm doing. And so that began my seven now year career in social media. I mean, that's huge because you were very early on social media. Like there wasn't probably that many examples. So when you, and I'm, and we'll definitely go into this, but also building a community on social media takes consistency, takes time, takes effort. So were you still training people on the side just to financially support yourself while you were grinding to get your social media presence up? Yes, I was. And I think this is a really important piece. So I was early on in the wave. I also realized really quickly that what was doing quote unquote, really well on social media in fitness was sexualizing the body. And so I, because I, my belief is literally exact opposite of that. I realized that I was going to have to do something different to stand out. And so I was working on the weekends. I was still kind of keeping a few clients just so I could stay afloat, but I worked a full-time job, like more than a 40 hour work week creating social content. And what I did was literally every single day I would take my tripod and I'd show up in a location, mainly outside with a fun outfit on and I would do crazy movements because I thought, you know, social media is eye candy. And I really had a goal of building my platform so that eventually I could sell products. And I knew that, like I knew what my North star was. I was very, very clear about that. I did not know to the extent like how powerful social media was going to be just because it was so new but I did know that this was my opportunity. This was essentially my, you know, Jillian Michaels on Biggest Loser. This was my opportunity to be able to speak my message, do it my own way, and hopefully gain some potential customers. 
from there, that just blew up because I was doing really fun workouts. Like I had like to- workouts with toilet paper and workouts with pots. And like, I was like anything and everything, like you don't need a gym to move. Like it's all about finding fun, creative ways to move your body. And so that really kind of sped up my social media to the point where it is today. And, and that became a full-time job. Incredible. And at what point? So you saw momentum pretty early on. You're doing these unique videos that not really anyone in the fitness world are doing at the time. But when did you realize, all right, I'm going to create a digital program? Like what was the next phase in the business? And I believe you were also working with your brother at the time. But tell me more about the team behind it and the first really like business that you created. Yes. So basically, I realized that I would have to fund the products that I wanted to create. So the products that I wanted to create were my own workout programs. But in order for me to do that, I wasn't working enough hours in-person training. And so I just dedicated. I saw really quickly that social media could grow. And then within a year, I realized that I could turn that into a business because I could collaborate with other companies. And so what I was doing on the collaboration side of social media was actually then going to fund the products that I wanted to create. And so yes, my brother was my manager at the time. And it was amazing. I mean, the hustle was very real. It was essentially like we were running two companies because we were managing partnerships on the social media side of things. And then we were using that money to fund the products that we wanted to create. We also had no idea what we were doing. Like that's the, yeah. the thing that I keep I keep reiterating to people. I didn't know what I was doing. Companies didn't know what they were doing. Like social media was so new, but I always had a North Star. I always knew that somehow, some way, I want to sell products to the masses. I want to sell movement to the masses with my own message. I do not want it to be anything about weight loss or changing the way that you look. And in order for me to do that, I have to be able to have an audience. And so that was what I was continuously doing for years before Just Move was created. What year did you create Just Move? Just Move was created in 2019. So three years ago. So now we're going to dive into business. So what happened is I got to a certain point in time where I had a realization that my options were to work with other really big companies, companies now like the Pelotons of the world, the Allo Moves, and essentially be a trainer on their platform, or I could try to find a partner. And I was very clear, like my biggest gift is that I'm a visionary, I'm a creative, I'm not the ins and out businesswoman. And I think I had to come to a really hard understanding of if I wanted to be as big as I had in my dreams and goals, I had to find a partner. And I, I happened to have a meeting with Jillian Michaels like a year before that. And she said to me, listen, at some point in time, because I had a little bit of an ego back then, I, saw, I thought everything's going to be 100% me. I don't want any help. And she said, you're going to get to a point in time in your career where you have the opportunity to partner and someone will help you go further in life. And so you could make 50% of $100 million or you could make 100% of $1 million. Like you're going to have, you're going to have this moment. And so fast forward another year, I got a meeting with my now co-founder, Craig, business partner. And I just realized so quickly in that moment that this was the person that was going to help. This was the engine to my vision and what I wanted to do. And so we formed a company at that time, which was Kaisa Fit Productions. And then Just Move actually did not come into real like fruition until a year and a half ago. 
Got it. And also, I know because partnership, I feel like you have a lot of lessons there as well to talk through. And in theory, finding a partner is like being married, right? You find the right fit. You're really able to go to the moon. And I'm so glad you did find Craig. But tell me more about maybe potential partnerships that might have not gone well, because I know you were also hesitant to get into that because really it's like your baby, you're the face of the company. It's really a function of who you are. So I know that feeling is tough, but what have you gone through and how'd you kind of get over that, that hill for yourself? Yeah. So partnerships were really tough for me. I got my heart broken in a partnership really early on in our career on social media. My friend and I, we had done track together at UW and we started a social media account that was called Two Bad Bodies back in the day. And we just had a ton of success. And so that was my first taste into social media, into business. We were forced to form a business because we were getting opportunities that had money with them. And so we ultimately got to the point where she didn't want it to be a business. And I really did. That was where I got the taste of like, I really want to do something big. I really want to shake up the fitness industry. I want to put a different message out there. I, I just want to put all of my time and energy into this. And so that didn't work. And that was really heartbreaking for me. It was, you know, we had Michelle Obama shout us out. We were on Vogue. We had just gotten asked to go to, I think it was the Today Show in New York. Like we had so many opportunities in front of us. And I was so excited about all of them that, you know, the decision to not want to move forward in terms of business was just soul crushing to me. Like I didn't understand. I just didn't know how I would come out of that. And so I was definitely tainted when it came to partnerships because I just felt like at some point in time, if somebody didn't want to do something, you know, I'd put all this time and energy. And I think a lot of entrepreneurs understand like we're built a little different. Like we're just built different than other people. And we have a dedication and a drive that a lot of people don't have. And I think for me, I was just really concerned about sharing my baby and my vision and all of my hard work with someone else. And so I'd been hesitant for years to partner and it wasn't until going back that moment where I just re- I, I had just a hard conversation with myself again of like, this is not where you want it to be, but this is as much as you can do on your own. And I remember just having those conversations and I was thinking like, I'm kind of strangling my baby because I won't let go because I think it needs to be 100% me. I'm keeping it this infant and it doesn't deserve to be that. And I have to work on my ego and work through my issues in order for me to be able to allow this like child to grow. And so I had already started to have those conversations with myself. And, you know, I think one of the biggest things that I've I've always done is gone to therapy to work through stuff because what we're dealing with personally is such a reflection then and comes out in the business that we're trying to run. And so I had really worked, started to work through the failed partnership. And so when Craig came, it was just so obvious to me for the first time I was in a partnership where somebody was my exact opposite. And I think in my earlier partnership, we were too similar. And so I knew Craig couldn't do the thing without me and I couldn't do the thing without him, you know? And so we just like really started from a foundation of respect and just being very grateful. We had the same exact message. Like he had gone through his own personal health and wellness journey to understand that like movement was so much more than what you look like. And he did not want to be a part of a weight loss company, which was like, I wasn't hearing that anywhere. Everyone that was a partner was like, I have the million dollar idea for you. Let's sell weight loss. Let's sell like movement to look like you. And I was like, I don't want that. I don't want the fast money. Like we're a mission company. I want to change the world. Like I don't even just want to change the fitness world. Like I'm here to change the world. So I I look back at that time. So Craig and I have been partners for three years and it, it was like the best thing that ever happened to me. 
Yeah. And I mean, what I'm just so amazed about your journey, even before you kind of started this business very early on, the biggest theme I see is like, you are just so clear on your North Star. And I think for any entrepreneur, because you can have businesses that can fail, you can have products that don't pick up. But if you are focused on your overall mission, you just will just continue to pivot and find people. And you're many years in your journey. And just to see you finally have now landed the right partner where you really feel like I can finally take my mission of changing the entire world with movement. Like I just have goosebumps because I think so many people get fixated on the day to day, but you are just so clear about your mission. And that is truly, I think, one of your biggest superpowers. Thank you, Yasmin. And I just want to underscore and highlight and bold what you were saying. Like, I think the biggest thing is to know what your North Star is because running a business comes with so many failures, so many mistakes, so many learning lessons. But if you know what your North Star is, you can consistently stay grounded in having those be learning lessons in pivoting and doing something else. It's like, as a company now, like we are so clear on the North Star, but we do not know the recipe. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. We know the path and we're so aware. So we don't get in our own way. Like we are constantly testing, you know, one of those tests, for example. So we started Just Move, which is a subscription-based company. And inside of that, I felt so passionate about a level that I called start. So I have going back to my days in training, I really realized that beginner is not actually beginner enough for the majority of the population. Like the fitness industry talks to the 10% of the population that's already in fitness. And so when we go to look at like how to help people get up off the couch and move, beginner workouts are way too advanced. They don't even know what a squat is. They don't know what a lunge is. They're probably in pain. They've never moved before. And so that was really the population that I wanted to speak to and make sure that we took care of when we say that we have movement for everybody. Like, do we really? And so we developed a start level. So it goes start, beginner, intermediate, advanced really quickly. So I would say six months into the Just Move subscription, we realized that that start human actually deserves to be in their own safe space. And so we pivoted as a company, we pulled Start Moving and we formed an app that they will now go into because that human belongs in a community where they see themselves everywhere, where they feel very encouraged and supported in what they're doing, that they don't feel like, oh, I have to be then a beginner or, or an intermediate or advanced. And so as a company now, we are two separate brands. Start Moving hasn't launched yet, but we're so excited. It's going to launch in a month. But yeah, that's just going back to like pivoting, knowing our North Star. If we want the world to move, like, are we making sure that we service everyone? Absolutely. And, you know, one thing that just kind of came to mind right now, earlier in the interview, you were talking about how you are kind of an introvert, right? No one would ever think that listening to you right now and watching your videos. And I know the concept of burnout is very real. You know, I tip or not, I feel like yesterday, luckily now I'm able to kind of manage it live a little bit better than old Yasmin that would push through years. But tell me more about how you sustain your energy, because you also mentioned you are a bit of an introvert and how you kind of stop yourself from hitting burnout. Because I know back in the day, you did not get to a good place with that as well. I don't think it's possible in our space to not hit burnout. I think what I do now is take so much better care of myself. I think I'm so much gentler on myself. You know, quite often you'll hear me talk about my body as my best friend. So I talk about her. I have such a different relationship with her throughout these years, especially again, I'm just going to keep shouting out therapy. I have learned to just be so grateful and appreciative. And so there's little signs of things that happen now that I understand that those are big moments that I need to pause and reflect I also really change my language to seasons. There are certain seasons that we're in that are going to create 
a lot of stress, a lot of anxiety, and I just know that they won't last forever. And so I have coping mechanisms inside those seasons. You know, we're heading into a crazy season now with a launch of another product and a handful of new hires. And I'm just really well aware that life is a pie. My pie is not going to get any bigger. I can choose to slice it differently. And so business is going to be a huge slice over the course of the next handful of months as we head into the holidays. And you know, traveling is going to have to be cut out. There's a lot of things that I have to manage to take care of myself because my company is only as healthy as I am. And I think throughout the past, especially through COVID, the handful of the last years, I realized like if I'm not healthy, that is a direct reflection to how my company is doing. And it's not only that I owe it to myself, like I owe it to all of the team to be able to stay healthy and take care of myself and to really push this. Like we're in the infant phases of these things. Like I need to be healthy for the long haul of where we're planning on going. So yeah, just really listening to myself and understanding it takes a lot to take care of myself. And I require a lot out of myself. So I need to give a lot back. I mean, I think that's powerful. That's really important. I just want everybody to rewind and re-listen to that because I think there's a few things that really stand out is sometimes you're just going to have a busy season, right? Like we have big goals and aspirations and these are all beautiful, amazing things, but it's going to be like a tough quarter. And knowing that it's not going to be like the next 10 years of your life, you're able to kind of manage it a little bit better. And I think what you said in terms of the coping mechanisms for you to kind of try your best to feel a little bit less stress in a high stress environment, whether it's like taking out traveling, maybe not seeing your friends as much just so you can kind of create space for the basics of sleep and whatnot. But tell me a little bit more about, you know, you're about to gear up for this busy quarter. What are some of those coping mechanisms outside of taking travel out the board that has really helped you kind of stay sane during this time? Yeah. So a few things in terms of like my daily practice. One of the things that I realize that stresses me out a lot is I go out to eat a lot. I don't eat well. I have drinks. You know, it's like a late night. A lot of times they are business dinner meetings that stresses me out. I don't wake up fresh the next day. And so in times like this, I look at what can I remove? I can remove alcohol. I can remove eating out. I just hired a meal service because it's like, yes, that's a luxury, but you know what? We have to do the things that we can to take care of ourselves and to reduce stress, like making dinner, making lunch. That's very stressful to me, but I need to be nourished as I'm going through these days, making sure that I have my workouts planned with my coach, making sure that I have time to show up there and delegating. I think one of the biggest things for me is, you know, I've had a lot of trust issues throughout the past, my life, and then especially in business. And one of the biggest decisions I made as we started to create this team was one, first and foremost, to trust Craig, my business partner, and two, to like really work on trusting the team that we were bringing on. And we have an incredible team and I trust them with everything. And I I delegate as much as I can. And I know that I can't be everything for everyone. And I just try to focus on like what's in the here and now, how do I stay organized? And then just how do I take care of myself? Because I think that's a huge piece of it. You know, for so many years, you were doing a lot of things for yourself, right? Yourself. That's why in terms of the nitty gritty, the posting, creating content, and then now you have a partner, which is a huge step, but also this delegation what I realized, you know, for some entrepreneurs, it's tough to even remember you have somebody else. Like even for me, the other day I was doing something and my husband was like, why are you doing this? Like you need to be focusing on the other thing that you keep talking about. And I was like, oh my gosh, I forgot that I've hired somebody to help me. And so how do you kind of stay clear in terms of you're in the nitty gritty in the day to day of what you're doing to kind of zoom out and remember, okay, I can hand this off to this person or just overall planning for anyone who's listening who might not even have a team. 
Yeah, I don't do it well. <laughs> I'm just going to be totally honest. Like that's something I'm a control freak. And, you know, I, I have a lot of anxiety and stress. And so it's an active practice. It's a choice that I make every single day in every meeting and every conversation to just know and trust that my team has it to not work for perfection. This has been a huge thing for us. One of our biggest practices is that it's better to just get out and learn the lesson than to think that we have to do something perfect. And that has helped me so much to then just trust that the team is going to do something. I am very clear with just a handful of guidelines of certain things. Other than that, I let them run with it. If there is a mistake, if there's an issue, we come back, we fix it. But if I'm trying to micromanage the day-to-day, I don't get to be the visionary. And again, it goes back to the pie. And it's like, you cannot grow your pie of life and energy and the day-to-day. What you can do is manage things differently. And if I'm micromanaging everyone, I don't get to be steering the ship. I don't get to be thinking of the next vision, thinking of the next product, thinking of the next thing that we're going to do or the next message and how we're going to do it. And so I think it's just, it's a daily practice. Just like everything else, it's a daily practice for me to be like, okay, what do you bring to this team? Because it's not just the micromanaging skills. Like that's not what you're here for. Stay in your lane. I think another thing for me is the ego is really big, especially as you bring on a, a team. For example, I don't even run our team meetings anymore. Like that was a huge control, you know, issue, ego issue for me to let go of, to say like, we have another amazing woman on our team who runs the team and the day to day. And I, I, that's not my skill set. That's not what I do. I'm not great at that. And so it's knowing where your strengths are and then knowing where the team can fill in. And how have you kind of understood where your strengths are and where your weaknesses are? Is it through, I know the work you're doing with therapy or having a partner like Craig, just really calling you out and kind of saying you shouldn't be involved in this. Like, how have you gotten so clear about that? I think it's a handful of things. Definitely. Craig, I've had a lot. I mean, shout out to Carissa again from Thrive, my dear friend. We know her well. I've had a lot of good friends that have also helped me understand what it means to be a leader. I think there's a lot of times where it's imposter syndrome. You think that it means a certain thing. And I think for me, I've always felt like, oh, it means that I have to micromanage everybody, run the day-to-day, answer all the emails, just be the face of everything. And you get to a certain point in time where you realize like you get to be your own version of a leader. And one of the things that I would say, honestly, this past year I've worked on is realizing I'm the creative, I'm the visionary, I'm not the day-to-day business. And I have, I have so many insecurities, Yasmin, honestly, like so many insecurities about the fact that I don't understand the day-to-day of how we run as a business. But you know, Craig and so many other people remind me, if I was focused on the day-to-day, we wouldn't even have new visions of products and, you know, programs and things that we were doing. So that's not where my energy should go. We've hired an incredible team because we know my weaknesses. And so I think that makes us stronger. And, you know, we have huge goals and it's going to take a huge team and it's going to take me not micromanaging and being in the day-to-day and staying clear on the vision. Oh, that's so powerful. And I think what you said in terms of being a leader is important and that could look different for everyone. I mean, even for me, you know, there's stuff I'm working through as we're slowly beginning to grow, but I am the opposite into you in terms of, for me, operations is like my jam. Like I can get into it, but at a certain point, that is not what's going to move the needle. And like, if I want to just give myself some validation, I'm doing something well, I can just go back to the operations in the day to day, but I have to step back and be like, you need to put yourself in that unknown, uncomfortable environment because Again, you're the leader, you're the founder. Nothing happens if you are just in the day to day. So even like having that conversation with myself is like a daily thing. And 
sometimes you're like, am I adding value? But you are, but you need that space to think through the next step, which I think I'm just not so used to because I was the person that was grinding for 24 hours a day on the, the daily stuff. Totally. And I want to say there's one thing that I've learned about this. So there's one thing about stepping into the unknown and then trying to figure things out and learn the lessons. There's another thing of doing certain things and realizing like it is the biggest energy zap and suck. And I think that for me has been a really good learning lesson. I'm someone that's like, I can do it all. I can do everything. And one of the ways for me to start figuring out like what I should be doing more of or less of was to start to figure out that certain things sucked a lot of my energy, that there were other people on the team that could do it in like two seconds. Yes. And so, yeah. So that was another learning lesson for me of like, okay, guess that. (laughs) Like, that's not the thing for me. I'm trying to manage my energy and what I can do, but I can sit and create content and have ideas and do that day in and day out. And so that's where my strengths are. And so I think it's really like, it is also being so aware and like really knowing yourself and paying attention to yourself. And that goes back to like making sure that I have my own personal movement habit, that I have my own habit of taking care of my mental health, my physical health. Because if I am clear, then I'm so clear about how I want to lead and what I can do and how the team is going to move forward. Oh, I love that. I think you're right. It's like we can all do everything, but what is giving you energy and fuel? Because at the end of the day, what we're doing is we're here for the long game, right? Like, our babies are not going anywhere. We have these massive missions. So how can we kind of think about it in terms of energy management and focus on what lights us up? And like you said, self-awareness is probably like the number one skill you need to have as an entrepreneur. Or what do you think? Oh, no, it is. But here's the thing. It's the first thing that goes away. The first thing that goes away is taking care of ourselves because we're like, we're too busy. We have to do all these things. And I I run a movement company and yeah. I have done this. Like we all yeah. do this. But the thing is, is like, it is something that's so important. You have to put a sticky note above here. Your company is only as healthy as you are, period. And when you're going into hard seasons, whether it's a a month, a year, whatever it is, you have got to remember that you have to come first. Like you have got to come first. And whatever that is, sometimes it's seasons of more movement, less movement, different movement, different nutrition, different mindset. It changes for everyone. It's different for everyone, but you have got to be taking care of yourself. Yeah. And keeping it just even at the simplest state, like you were saying, if the season is busy, 15 minutes of movement or getting up to stretch for five minutes is better than nothing. And that's okay. And not to have, and this is, I'd love to get your perspective on this because I think a lot of things that are also holding us back or making us very critical of ourselves is the judgment. We didn't end up doing that movement. We didn't end up getting that task done. Like how have you kind of worked through that or with the clients that you've worked with in the past? Yeah. I mean, I just think it's, it's shifting the mindset to like one, every day is a new day. And what were your wins for that day? Like if there's certain days where you didn't get your movement in, can you make sure that you go to bed a little bit earlier? Can you turn off that stressful phone? Like what is your win for the day and focusing on those for me, that's why movement with this end goal of changing the way that you look is so detrimental. Like it should just be movement every single day when you wake up, how are you choosing to move or take care of yourself that day? And sometimes like just move means just moving through life. It doesn't oh. always mean like physical movement, you know? And as much as I I run a company that's all about physical movement, I'm also here to say like some days you're just not going to get it in. What is something else that you can do for yourself that day? And I think those daily habits, those daily practices will completely change your life. And I think that's what I want people to focus on. Man, Kaisa, well, I am just so happy we had you on the podcast today because I'm like, I'm going to go sign up for all her programs, do everything like truly. I mean, what you're preaching, I think is so, so important. So I'm 
honored that really our community is learning more about you and you are taking over this mission because I think it's so critical. So thank you, honestly, for being here. And I just truly love everything you and your team are building. Yasmin, I am so I like was really looking forward to this podcast. We were we were supposed to do it months ago and I was I like from July. I've been looking forward to this podcast. I love what you are doing. I love learning from the women that you have on. I will say like I listen to your podcast and I get to hear everyone else's stories and it's so reinforcing for me that I'm going to have my own journey in all of this. So I just I love what you are about. So thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Behind Her Empire. If you enjoyed this conversation, it would mean the world to me if you would consider leaving a review or even sharing this episode with someone who might be inspired to create their own empire. To stay updated on new episodes or join our private community, visit BehindHerEmpire.com to sign up. We send inspiring and short emails every week to your inbox. I'll see you next week. And until then, remember, you're always in charge of your own destiny and it's never too late to start your own empire.